Hello, fight fans. It is Thursday, February 8th, and this is the Fistionados Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Rakowski, former HBO Sports Marketing Executive, giving you my take on what's happening on your screen and behind the scenes in the sport of boxing. Uh, quick news and notes first before we get into it too much. I was a guest on Kurt Emhoff's podcast that came out earlier this week, the Boxing Esquire podcast. We had a great time. Kurt's a great guy. We have a lot of similar interests, and we got into a couple of major topics, including the ESPN TV deal, which is something that I'm sure I will be talking about on a future episode here. And then we touched on Anthony Joshua's situation, which is actually what I want to take a deep dive into today. Uh, the pod... Uh, it, it was a great time. You can find his pod. It's the Boxing Esquire podcast. So Fistionato's podcast now has a Twitter feed. It is at Fistionato's pod and an email, Fistionato's at yahoo.com. If you're interested in sending me an email, I think at some point in the near future, I'm going to do a mailbag type episode if people are interested. Uh, but feel free to engage me either way on social media or email. I will definitely start tweeting more and getting more active as the fights uh, start coming faster and, and quite frankly, getting better. Um, so with that all being said, let's jump into the review of the fights that have happened over the last two weeks. Two weeks ago, Lucas Matisse uh, KO8 over Tewa Karam and Jorge Linares' unanimous decision over Mercedes Gesta on HBO. Not too much needs to be said here. Uh, the main event averaged 719,000 viewers, peaking at 769. Um, that night, the competition was the UFC on Fox, which did some of its worst ratings ever at 1.59 million viewers on Big Fox in primetime on the East Coast. While I think the story for HBO is much better than the story for Fox when it comes to that night, still nothing great. Um, you know, you have to look at this and think to yourself, better matchups would have served the public, you know, a lot better. But peaking at 769, not the worst numbers you can imagine to start the year, especially there wasn't a huge push behind either of these fights. Uh, and like I said, they kind of led to nothing uh, in the last podcast. I went over this at length in the last podcast. Don't really feel the need to get too much into it now. Last week, last Saturday, so th uh, three fights really of note. Maragasiev KO 12 over Unier Dorticos. Zerto Ramirez TKO 6 over Habib Ahmed. And Jerwin Ancajas TKO 10 over Israel Gonzalez. Uh, those last two fights were on ESPN. They did not have great numbers. It was 741,000 viewers, which I don't think cover the peak. Uh, but given, even though it was a similar amount of viewers to what HBO had, uh, this is not great for ESPN. Um, HBO is in probably a third, maybe a little bit less than a, th uh, a little bit, a little bit more than a third actually of the homes that ESPN has. And the fact that they're putting up similar numbers does not bode well for ESPN. But I think more than anything is just that these two matches were not competitive at all. I think Ramirez landed more punches in 
one round than Ahmed did the entire fight in Ancajas. I mean, that was a relatively TV-friendly undercard fight, but just not competitive at all uh, in, in his KO over Israel Gonzalez. Obviously, when you go back to Gassiev and Dortico's, that fight was incredible. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to watch it, even though you already know the result at this point. The fact that that fight was not on a major U.S. television outlet is mind-blowing, quite frankly. Uh, especially even going into it, the odds for the fight were under 2-1. to one, And every other fight that's happened this year on Showtime or HBO with the exception, I think, of the, the undercard for the Spence-Peterson fight, which was not memorable at all. We're talking 25, 50 to 1, most of those fights. I think, you know, maybe the Matisse fight was around 10 to 1, but it, this was a real fight. Anything under 4 or 5 to 1 is, there's a real path to victory for each fighter. And 2 to 1, I mean, 2 to 1 is great odds. Like, once you get under that, you're talking into coin flip territory. That's as good as it gets. The fight really delivered. And I just, it's mind-blowing to me why these fights have not been on some kind of television outlet in the United States. But moving on, I don't know where a lot of this stuff is headed. You know, Zerto Ramirez, maybe he gets to fight a loser from the uh, WBSS 168 tournament. It's a relatively anonymous division. I hope for them that they can build him up further and further. It's going to take more. The one interesting note is that you did see Dan Raphael and uh, Mark Kriegel wrote articles on Ancajas and Zerto in the week leading up to that fight. I think you'll see more of that from ESPN where you'll see some actual journalistic coverage of the top-ranked fighters, and you'll see more of them just sort of covering that world a little bit. That's good news. I mean, Zerto Ramirez, if he gets his story out there, people will listen. It's a great story. So, you know, good attempt on that. The fights just need to be better for for more people to watch. Uh, Another quick news and note, Canelo versus Golovkin 2 announced. I will definitely do a deeper dive into that at a later episode and and probably do a deeper dive into what it's like to work on a pay-per-view. They can be so much fun. They can also make you want to pull your hair out. Um, But right now for the fight, not a lot's happening. I think it's really hard to do too much until you figure out exactly where the fight is going to take place, and they are obviously still figuring that out as I record this podcast. Uh, One other thing from a little bit earlier, I didn't cover it in the last episode, Steven Espinoza getting promoted uh, to president of Showtime Sports and the presentation that he did in sort of the upfront presentation of the Showtime fights, you know, give them credit for style, give them credit for getting everything organized and having some real time to promote their fights. You know, there's a lot of really great fights to look forward to on Showtime this year. Um, especially, I would say, you know, the Stevenson-Jack fight and the heavyweight fights in March, uh, you know, Joshua Parker and Wilder Ortiz, those are great fights. Um, I think there's really no question that they have the biggest lineup of fights and fighters to start the new year. If I had a critique, there's still a lot of long odds on some of their fights, 
but there's a lot of big names. There's definitely some good fights, and it looks like they're building towards a strong year. So with that all being said, I want to take a deeper dive into the Anthony Joshua situation. He fights against Joseph Parker on March 31st. The fight's over in Europe. Um, it's a really, it's a legit big fight. The betting odds right now are kind of in the 7-8-1 to one range, um, which means it may not be a close fight, but there's definitely a path to victory for Joseph Parker, um, it, and it could be a real competitive fight. It, it also, that's kind of a good indication of maybe it won't be a competitive fight, but maybe it will be. Like, Joseph Parker hasn't looked great, but he's still relatively athletic, and he's got a lot of power, and he's got a, he's got a really good chin. That's kind of the storyline leading into it. Um, but what I really want to talk about, Dan Rayfield came out with a story saying that Showtime is going to air the fight and that they matched, they had the matching rights on the fight. They matched HBO's offer of $1.95 million for the fight. Now, I did not see an announcement on a long-term deal. My interpretation of that is this is the last fight in his current deal. I could be wrong on that. I don't know for sure. Um, but no matter what, there's a lot of things to unpack here. And, uh, there's a lot of big questions as to what Anthony should, Anthony Joshua should do for his future. Uh, so first of all, 1.95 million is a very strong offer from HBO to televise a European fight. I would say it's not a blow you out of the water like Showtime's definitely not matching that offer. It's not an offer that says welcome to the HBO family. Um, it's kind of the perfect amount to show that you made a great offer to get the fight, but you have to expect that Showtime would match that. Um, there has got to be a little bit of gamesmanship going on here. I think HBO is probably interested in letting Eddie Hearn know that they're serious about getting Anthony Joshua, but they probably want favorable long-term deal-type terms to be set. Um, I think there also might be a little bit of an element of making Showtime spend more money than they'd want to spend on a fight like this, sort of go ramp, you know, HBO spending a little bit more of their budget for them. But, you know, ultimately, it's not an offer that, that Showtime would match. Showtime clearly would match an offer like that. Um, so what's really going on here? Uh, long-term, you know, should Anthony Joshua re-sign with Showtime? Should he look at other options? I think to set the stage for this, most of Joshua's opponents, especially for big-money fights, are European-based. You know, Joshua doesn't need to come to the United States, so I think it's less of a decision-making, like, it's less of a factor in his decision-making process than most people think, especially based here. Now, don't let don't doubt for a second that all the U.S. TV entities won't come after him hard. I mean, he's got star written all over him. Uh, And Eddie Hearn does have a lot of leverage in this process. But just remember, like, it's kind of an incredible offer, especially for for this upcoming fight. Anthony Joshua's last fight, I mean, granted, it was against Carlos Takam, they did 334,000 people live and a replay of 300,000, like in that area, on Showtime. Those are not even close to future pay-per-view star numbers. 
you know, and he and Klitschko did much better ratings. I think they did like 690,000 viewers on Showtime and maybe closer to 900 on the replay on HBO, which obviously had the benefit of social media telling everyone, hey, this is an incredible fight, or this was an incredible fight, so you should watch it. Uh, but, you know, those are better numbers, but still, like, those aren't even really, like, this guy should be fighting on pay-per-view numbers. Um, the attraction to Joshua is really not his appeal in the United States, because I don't think he has a whole lot yet. It is how quickly he became a star in the U.K. combined with like his attendance numbers, his pay-per-view numbers there. And then it's just sort of him as a personality. He's super well-spoken. He's like a hometown London guy. He's good-looking, super athletic. Uh, and he passed his first big test in beating Klitschko. He also showed a lot of vulnerability, which really makes him an exciting fighter. So, you know, l- let's break down his options. So it, it Showtime really allows for the biggest fight for him, the Deontay Wilder fight. And that's assuming both parties win in March, and that's assuming that Eddie Hearn wants that fight next. Um, you know, those guys, there's a possibility for, like, multiple fights between those two fighters. But as I said earlier, like, many of the other options for Anthony Joshua are European-based. Like, Povetkin just signed with Eddie Hearn, Tyson Fury, if he ever gets his act together, that's a huge fight. Obviously, Dillian White, pretty big fight. You know, that's already happened, but you definitely... White showed some vulnerability in Joshua. You can definitely do some kind of rematch there. Um, You know, so Wilder may not be the most important factor for Eddie Hearn right now. And I actually think if I was him, you know, you really want that fight to bring in a lot of revenue. So you either need to have Joshua become such a big star in the UK that it's just an undeniable superstar. Like the sort of the boxing version of, of some band from the UK coming over and entering the U S market and already having, you know, built in star power. Um, or Wilder needs to become a bigger star in the U S and then sort of build his UK audience. So even though that fight is the biggest one out there and the biggest revenue generator, marinating might be a real legitimate option, uh, you know, in this case. But that's really Deontay Wilder and the previous relationship with Showtime. Those are really the key things that Showtime has going for it in in trying to re-sign Anthony Joshua. Now let's take a look at HBO. HBO has a better track record of developing pay-per-view stars than Showtime. Um, I think Showtime is great once someone is already a pay-per-view star, but it's it's not really controversial to say that HBO truly develops the stars better. Um, and, and maybe Showtime, given the opportunity, the opportunity to do so, would do well with it, but HBO has a pay-per-view department that is it's essentially a machine. It just, it, it, you know, really makes this process go smoothly. Eddie Hearn also has Danny Jacobs there, so there's an established relationship there. Um, you know, and to what I mentioned earlier, like my former colleagues would do a great job with Joshua in terms of telling his story, finding the right ways to put him out there with paid media and PR and sort of that storytelling combo. 
you know, like I said, the track record with HBO is is really incredible. Um, but there's not a whole lot else that HBO has to offer. They don't really have any heavyweights of note. They kind of failed in their attempt to get Joshua from the start. You know, there is this great infrastructure that that currently exists, and they could decide to go all in on Joshua uh, and and just try to build him into a big star. You know, but it's not it's not a natural fit in a lot of ways. I think the real wild card in this situation is ESPN. And I talked about this actually with Kurt a little bit. We we actually both agreed on this. ESPN has by far the highest upside with their ability to promote Joshua on all of their ancillary programming. With his personality and how great he comes off on camera, I think they could make him just into a complete superstar. I also think that ESPN has the long-term potential to have the highest upside for Joshua as a pay-per-view fighter really assuming they, they figure out the platform. I talked a little bit about this with Terrence Crawford last week, but ESPN can go a lot of different ways, especially with what is expected to come with their OTT model. They could even blast a new pay-per-view model. They could sort of... There's a lot of easy ways for them to bring down the cost to consumers, cut out a lot of the traditional... Uh, what we would call MSOs in the industry. You know, normally as you buy a pay-per-view, you would do it through your cable company. I think ESPN could go over the top and they could really blow up the entire model. Anthony Joshua is kind of the perfect person to do something like this. He's really positioned well because he's going to make massive amounts of money in the U.K. no matter what happens to him in the U.S. The U.S. money is kind of gravy to him. He's so incredibly marketable from a, like a worldwide standpoint that he's positioned to take the risk like this in the U.S. And I think ESPN, especially if they get a couple test runs in with Manny Pacquiao, Terrence Crawford, Lomachenko, they could really push him as a pay-per-view athlete. You know, like I said, like they could basically get him on every one of their morning programs, do the quote-unquote car wash at ESPN. It's taking a risk, though, right now. I think they're not there yet, and Anthony Joshua fights a lot. Um, so if I was him, I'd be a little bit wary, despite the long-term potential for him there, I'd be a little wary of where they are right now with it. They're still at the point where, yes, when they promote Lomachenko Rigando, and it does 1.73 million viewers, that's great. But... Then there's the Zerdo Ramirez fight from this past weekend, which did a million viewers less than that number, basically. So, you know, you'd have to think they'd if, if he went to a place like ESPN, they'd push really hard behind him. But also, Anthony Joshua is going to make his dates for his fights based on his schedule, not based on ESPN's schedule. And Top Rank is still at the mercy of what ESPN do, is doing with other sports. So that's another factor as well. Obviously, Eddie Hearn and Top Rank don't have a history of working together, but you'd have to think they'd figure something out uh, based on the star potential here. So what do you do if you're Eddie Hearn? So, you know, it's clearly showtime for the next fight, but if the ratings aren't great, I'd really consider all the options strongly. Um, Okay, like I said earlier, showtime's a safe pick, especially if you want the Wilder fight. Uh, but what I would do if I was Eddie Hearn is I'd demand 
that they have Wilder fight more often in higher profile fights, you know, with the goal of building him up. Um, you want a Wilder pay-per-view fight in the U.S. that really demands, uh, the, you know, where the demand is high and that generates a lot of money. And we're just nowhere near that right now, like I said earlier. So I'd pick Showtime probably, but I do it on a short-term deal that really puts their feet to the fire. I demand that they put Wilder on everything they could, especially from like a CBS standpoint where they can get him you know, they could, their PR machine can put his name out there and really build this into a true pay-per-view fight because it's not there yet. And if you're going to make an entrance into the U.S. market, that's the best way to do it. it. It's to build up Deontay Wilder. That's what I'd really demand. And if they don't do it, I would just continue my plan of fighting European-based fighters, marinate that Deontay Wilder fight. The worst thing that could happen here if Joshua did make a move after, let's say he does sign a short-term fight, a short-term deal with Showtime, he can always go over to HBO or ESPN. And Al Heyman has shown in the past that he will send his fighters for pay-per-view fights across the street if the money's right, you know, and if the demand's there. And so if HBO or ESPN were to develop Joshua into a pay-per-view star, well, yes, Walter would get a big payday, but he, you know, based on Al's history, be willing to, to walk across the street for it. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I think if you take a short-term deal like that, you really have to hope that ESPN is your long-term home. Um, HBO does feel safe. You know, it's that model that so many other fighters have gone through where they become a pay-per-view star, and, and, it, and it does feel very safe. It could be a great long-term home for him. I, you know, like I said, I'd, I'd strongly consider it. But I would do this on, like, a quote-unquote LeBron-type deal where he's signing these shorter deals and really holding a lot of leverage, not committing a large part of his long-term future to one place. You know, and like I said, I, I ultimately, I do think if ESPN can figure it out, they're probably the best home for him. So let's shift into the previews. There's no major fights this weekend. There's some smaller fights on TV, but nothing really major to discuss here. On Friday, February 16th, there's an ESPN card with Ray Beltran versus Paulus Moses for a vacant WBO lightweight title. And on the 17th, Showtime has Danny Garcia fighting Brandon Rios. And then David Benavidez versus Ronald Gavril for a WBC super middleweight title. Uh, I could not find odds yet on Ray Beltran versus Paulus Moses. Garcia is in like the 15, 20, 25 to 1 range. That's most sports books. Um, and let's be honest, as much as I loved Brandon Rios in the past, I don't really understand quite why I'm watching that fight. I really want to see Danny Garcia in more competitive fights than that. Benavidez, he's basically a four to one favorite. So yeah, that you know could be another good fight. February seventeenth, PBC on Fox, Devin Alexander fighting Victor Ortiz. Much closer odds than that. I think it's like two to one, three to one for Alexander. And I think like this fight, like all the other ones, sort of falls into the. I'm semi-intrigued category. I'm semi-intrigued to see Danny Garcia. Like I said, I want to see him in more competitive fights. Devin Alexander fighting Victor Ortiz. 
I'm semi-intrigued by that. I don't really know where it goes, but whatever. They're, January and February have not been great months for the boxing year to start out in 2018. The one, you know, really it's two fights that were good and they weren't televised. March is really exciting, though. Um, you know, in the end of February, I think the I'll, I'll preview that next uh, in two weeks. The the HBO card for Superfly Two, that's a much that's a good card. The March third fights uh, are all great. HBO's got a great undercard there, and I'm really excited to watch the the Wilder Ortiz fight, and obviously Joshua later that month. You know, now we're really getting to the, into the meat of the year here. So. Uh, good stuff. Great, great talking to you guys. And uh, we will uh, talk to you in two weeks. Bye.